Hello everybody and welcome to episode 3 of Brew with Beckett, powered by 92 Degrees. Now today I am joined by two men who, to be quite frank, I am a huge fan of. I'm talking about Jack King and Sam Driver from Cultaholic. Now, I know a lot of you might be sat there thinking, what the hell or who the hell are Cultaholic? And it's understandable that if you're not a professional wrestling fan like I am, you may not have heard of them. But let me just explain who these guys are. Cultaholic is an online wrestling uh, website where they talk about wrestling, report on wrestling, they share videos giving their views on wrestling and just to um, explain what a big deal these guys are in the world of professional wrestling, their YouTube channel has over 600,000 subscribers and every video they put out regularly gets over 100, 150,000 people watching it so people care about their views, people care about their opinions and they're really entertaining guys to watch and this hour long chat so I had it was one of my favourite ever, it was incredibly interesting and I really don't think you have to be a professional wrestling fan to enjoy this one they talk about a lot of very important stuff a lot of very interesting stuff including how they ended up with this crazy profession they're in what it's like to be thrust into the limelight when you never really expect it how they deal with online trolls and vicious and quite mean comments sometimes online that people unfortunately post and they tell some just truly crazy stories about this ridiculous world they work in um, as I said, I really enjoyed this uh, this episode, and I hope you do too. Uh, before we start, though, I have to say a huge thank you, as ever, to 92 Degrees of Powering the Podcast. It's been so great the last few weeks, with the first few episodes going out, to see people using the code BWB20 to get 20% off any of their products, and really enjoying the great coffee you're getting at home. Um, if you haven't yet, I don't know what you're waiting for, make sure you head over to www.92degrees.coffee, or check them out on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Head over to the shop. They've got all you could ever want to satisfy your coffee needs over there. Use the code BWB20 for 20% off and enjoy your coffee at home. Um, a big thank you to 92 Degrees again. A big thank you to Sam and Jack for coming on. And this is Brewer Beckett with Cultaholic. I just thought you should know that we get a little bit excited throughout the podcast. Myself, Jack and Sam are very passionate about our wrestling and it results in a little bit of bad language um, peppered throughout the podcast. Uh, I hope that's not a problem. Just thought you should know. You do know now. Now I hope you enjoy the show. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Brew with Beckett powered by 92 Degrees. Now this is the third episode in our series and obviously we've had two uh, with professional rugby so the, the obvious next step was to take it to professional wrestling. Um, I'm joined today by Jack King and Sam Drive from Cultaholic. Hello, gents. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. How yeah, are you? Doing all right. Yeah, I'm well, thanks, lads. I'm well. Uh, thank you very much for joining me. Um, now, a lot of people listening might not be huge wrestling fans and might not know what Cultaholic is. So, for people who don't, it's uh, basically, I'll let the lads explain more later on, but it's online wrestling journalism, give their views on wrestling talk about it, videos about it, and I'm going to pump their tyres a little bit here. They're, the boys are a pretty big deal to uh, to put it into, um, they'll, they'll shake their heads what they are, to put it into context people, their YouTube channel has just over 600,000 subscribers, so a lot of people care about what these lads have to say about wrestling. But before we start getting into it, there's something I've, excuse, I've got to break to you lads, that it seems a lot of people don't think us wrestling fans know, because they like to tell us all the time, but wrestling is fake. No. Yeah, it can't be. That these guys and girls go into the ring knowing who's going to win before before it starts. That that's often aimed as a criticism, isn't it, of wrestling fans? But you know, it's entertainment. 
Everyone exactly. likes Game of Thrones. Dragons aren't real. That's the classic <laughs> counterpoint that everyone uses. Exactly. Actors go into films with a script, knowing what's going to happen. It's no different. Yeah, Suspend it, your disbelief. That's what it's about. It's one of the strange things, isn't it? You say to anyone that you like wrestling, the first thing they say is, you know, it's fake. And you're like, well, I'm, mm. I'm, a, full, I'm a fully grown man. Yes, I'm well aware that, that this is fake. Like, that's no surprise to me. One of the things that, that uh, often wrestling fans find is that when they find out it's fake, when you're, when you're a kid and you find out that it's scripted, it becomes more interesting because there's all the stories of how it's put together and what goes on behind the scenes. And it's yeah. a whole new dimension that makes it probably more interesting than if it was real, to be honest. Mate, I yeah, absolutely I agree. First, like the first time I would sort of looked into backstage politics and everything, it blew my mind. Like I, di I didn't understand how this whole thing was structured or anything like that and learning that and learning how it works. I think it's an important part in everybody's relationship with wrestling as they mature into older wrestling fans, unless they just give up and leave like a lot of people do, which is yeah. a bad thing to do. I'm with everyone. Everyone, does, everyone does that at some point. Everyone dips in that. And if, if anyone listening to this is wondering what do you mean by backstage politics, hit pause on this, just go and Google the Montreal screw job. And come back because it will blow your mind as to the sort of things that happen behind the scenes in wrestling. But the first thing I want to ask you, gents, is I'll come to you first, Jack. Is how did you become a wrestling fan? Like, do you remember your first memory of watching wrestling? Getting it? because I think most people as kids have some sort of memory of wrestling. But how did it come about for you that you got interested in wrestling and became a fan? I think it was the sort of the time that I became a wrestling fan. So I don't remember specifically how. I just remember suddenly there was an interest in it. And from going back and working out when those matches that I remember were happening, I've worked out that it was in the year 2000 when everyone liked wrestling was the thing in the year yeah. 2000. So I'm assuming my mates at school would have been primary school. Uh, everyone was talking about it on the, on the schoolyard and stuff. And I just think that it was the sort of thing that everyone was into like like little kids would be into cartoons or football like it was just one of those things that kids were also into at the time um but then something must have clicked because obviously i maintained my interest beyond that where the industry started to go down and people started falling away uh then eventually when i was a teenager I fell out of it completely and then got back into it sort of around uh the age of like maybe 16 17 around then so i don't actually remember how i got into it i think it was just a case of timing really because that, that's my next question. I'll come to you both these after, Sam, is when, when did you realise you weren't going to grow out of it? Mo most people grow out of their fandom of wrestling and they, they grow up into adult things and that wrestling isn't for adults. So when, when did you realise that actually, no, you were going to go into adult life and still have an interest in wrestling and still be watching Raw or SmackDown or whatever it was? When did, you, when did that realisation come? Um... Is this still, this still for me, this question? Yeah, yeah, so, you, I'm going to go... Yeah, yeah, yeah cool, Sam, right. the, 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 Didn't want to... Didn't want to step on his toes. <laughs> um, I think that um, I probably realized around the time when you've got to start hiding your interest from your friends. When you get to the ages of like maybe sort of 12, 13, when it starts to become a little bit less acceptable. And then they, they start, maybe someone will reminisce like, oh, remember The Rock, remember that. And you've got to fight to not correct them whenever they get a detail wrong. And you're like, ah, maybe I'm still, maybe it's still got its claws in me a little bit here. Yeah. So probably around that sort of age. Yeah. What about you, Sam? What, how did you get into it? And when did you realise, ah, this isn't going to be someone I'm going to grow out of? I, I was pretty lucky in the way that I think my parents were both kind of into wrestling. My mum was very much into it. And then uh, she would work late Fridays. So my dad would let me stay up till like, you know, 10, 11 o'clock because it was cool. Uh, but I was, I was quite little and we had a satellite dish rather than 
cable. So yeah. we'd get a switch over on Cartoon Network at like nine o'clock on a Friday night and we'd get that Monday's Nitro repeated. And that was just something I, I remember from way, way back, like when I was really little, uh, probably about six or seven-ish. But then from there, I think, as Jack was saying, around the year 2000, when everybody was getting into it, that's when my interest really, I guess, blew up with it. But from there, it, it just kind of, you know, you, you have that dip, as Jack said. And I think by the time I got to 13, everybody was skating, myself included. And yeah, you slowly have to, well, you don't have to, but you slowly kind of feel pressured out of something you enjoy to the point where you, you know, maybe the product's not as good as it was. You eventually stop watching. I was lucky enough to have a younger brother who was still actively watching. So I didn't kind of know what was going on and I could kind of stay on top of it without actively watching it. Uh, Cause I was cool in that and nobody yeah. cool watches wrestling. Um, but then I, I think I, I fell off big time for, for quite a while until I started like actively watching again for my job really but yeah. I, I do remember at one point as jack was saying with uh having to correct people when they were wrong i had a very very awkward oh he's a wrestling fan moment when i was in uni uh and it was in second year we went back to some flat for like a party somebody's like apartment there's about eight or nine of us and we were all just sat around watching tv and flicking through channels and wrestling was on and somebody said something and it was wrong and i just went on this massive long rant about stone cold and the invasion and by the time i was done everybody was just looking at me going like all right mate yeah and my own friends were sort of like oh this is weird everyone's, everyone's just staring <laughs> just backing away and from i was like oh god i, I revealed i revealed yeah. you know my my big secret <laughs> i am um, yeah it's like accidentally coming out as a wrestling fan i was like oh right i've done it i've slipped it into the conversation yeah. there's no going back now i remember That's i am um, we used to, me and my cousins used to all get picked up by my grandma on a Tuesday and go into her house and they had Sky and satellite for what any of us did. And we used to watch uh, Monday Night Heat and um, Tuesday, uh, Tuesday Night Velocity or Sunday Night Velocity. Heat and Velocity, whatever yeah. nights they're on. That was my first uh, first introduction to wrestling. And then I used to go and stay at my grandma and granddad's on a, on a Friday a lot because they used to feed me loads of chocolate, essentially. Um, and <laughs> hot chocolate and chocolate. And... Um, Smackdown. Hot and was, cold. Exactly. That was uh, in the mid 2000s. Like the Smackdown Six was just mm, taking. Yeah. And Smackdown was just and the Smackdown with the big fist at the top of the stage. That's my memory of yeah. on a Friday night. I go and my granddad would sit there and they'd come up with um, a warning that it would have adult themes, not suitable for children. And my granddad would look across the room to me and go, "Charles, I really don't think you should be watching this." And I go, <laughs> "I'd look at him and go, okay, we won't tell your mum." And that was that was how <laughs> I used to watch wrestling. So. That, they're my memories and then like you say you always go through that oh I'm too cool for this now I'm going to grab it and when I when I moved to Leicester to join the academy there fresh, I was like I cannot let anyone know that I'm a wrestling fan like, I will be ridiculed so I hid it yeah long time it was only when I was like 18 so I've been there two years um, one of the lads Paolo Dogwood who's just been picked for England this week um, we somehow everyone was talking about wrestling and reminiscing so if I could see him across the room like really like nodding along and knowing things that won't happen I was like you um you, you like your wrestling? He was like, oh, I like it a little bit. Why? And we looked at each other and I was like, I love it, pal. He was like, yeah, me too. And from that moment on, <laughs> we used to just have like secret conversations about wrestling together. And um, and then the end, we were like, oh, you know what? Fuck it. We're going to let everyone know we love this. It doesn't matter. And then I think you get to like 18, 19, 20, you come a bit more couple that you're like, oh, I'm just going to let people know because you've just got to enjoy it then. Um, yeah. 
But what I want to move to next was, and this, this is genuinely fascinating because I have no idea. Normally when I have guests on, I have some sort of idea of what I'm, the answer I'm going to get, but I genuinely don't know this, is how, how do you end up doing what you do, boys? Like, how you two got here, where I think I have the best job in the world. I'm, I'm a professional player. I think it's the best job in the world. If I had to choose a second job, I'd probably choose yours. You get <laughs> you from, from the outside. You watch wrestling and talk about it for a living. So I know I first became aware of both you and your work at What Culture. And I'm sure we'll get into that and then the transition to making your own your own business and own entity in Cold Todd. But yeah. how, how talk me through both your journeys of how you say you went to uni and what you do at uni, because you don't go to uni and study talking about wrestling. That's not a degree I'm aware <laughs> of. So how, how just yeah, how does it happen? Because it's, I'm really interested to know. Uh, I'll let you go first on this one, Jack. All right. Um, well, I went to uni and did uh, English literature. Uh, English was always like my best subject at school. It was always the one I was most interested in. So it was always, I, I was always going to take that further. But I didn't really know what, you know, I didn't know whether I wanted to get into journalism or, or what I wanted to do. Um, and then it was like only my sort of second, it was like my first proper job after, after uni. I was in, um, I was working in a Debenhams for a little bit, but it was my first job that was along the lines of the career that I wanted to, you know, pursue. Um, and it just happened to be based in Newcastle. It was what culture and they had a wrestling section, which was quite a stroke of luck because it kind of coincided with me getting back into wrestling more deeply in the past couple of years. So, um, the, uh, they were like, which, which sections can you write on? And I was like, probably write on a bit of sport, probably write on probably wrestling actually. And then they were like, okay, I wrote like a trial article for it. And after a while I was just moved to just the, um, just the wrestling section. I, I just became exclusively a wrestling writer for the site. Um, that's where I met Ross, who also is in Cultaholic. He was doing the same thing. And then I should probably pass over to Sam now because this was before the YouTube channel was really a thing. And then it started to take off. So I'll, yeah. I'll pass over to Sam now for this part. So my journey started with leaving uni. I, I did a, a film and TV production at uni, which is a degree that hit and it, it's hit and miss when you get out the back end of that that's that's pretty fair to say uh in terms of whether you've actually learned anything substantial enough to get you anywhere in the industry but me and my mate the job market was terrible as it usually tends to be for um i know they said wrestling themed jobs they're like media that'd be a website i to go on a wrestling themed job vacancies <laughs> website just that there'd be some excellent jobs up there but yeah, we sort of, we were like, well, well, fuck this. Let's, let's start our own company. You know, there was a business uh, scheme through the university where they give us four grand a piece uh, through the ERDF uh, and we'd be able to start a production company. So we, we did that. We got that off the ground. We got some pretty good clients. It was all going well. Essentially, it, it, we were idiots. We didn't really know what we were doing. That all went to, to absolute shit as, as expected. Uh, and then I wound up in a call center and then I'm just applying for any creative role I can and, and what culture came up and it was essentially like we want to do video stuff we don't really know where we're going with it and I was you know still fresh out of uni pretty much well a couple of years removed from uni and uh, I was hungry for it and I, I was quite keen to have that challenge and it just all went from there I guess we added presenters slowly and Eventually, we got Jack and Ross on the go. But yeah, the the when I first started, I remember I was like, I was voicing some of the videos. I was mainly making things about film and TV and like movie mistakes and things like that. The occasional little sport video, but wrestling, it just sort of happened, and I was given that license to just 
be a wrestling fan again, which was really yeah. weird. It was kind of liberating where it was like, well, your job's about this now. Yeah, because so and it was like, oh, this is yeah. so good. <laughs> <laughs> like you say, so as you said, Jack, you went as a writer, and uh, I remember I saw. So I'm a huge wrestling fan, huge um, comic book fan as well. So what what culture were covering at the time and sport fan was kind of like my wet dream almost. I was like, this website's got everything. So I was reading a lot, and then yeah. I was down one of those YouTube dark holes. You end up down watching the. 30 biggest Royal Rumble return pops. We've all, we've all yeah. been down there at three in yeah. the morning thinking, I've got a fitness session at seven. What am I doing still watching this? Well, I've been down That's there me. thinking this I've got... Yeah, I was going to say, I've been down there thinking I've got to catch uh, a Metro in the morning, but not not so much I've got a fitness <laughs> session in the morning. But we've, all, we've all got things to go up for, but then YouTube yeah, will yeah, go, yeah. well, why don't you watch this? You're like, well, fuck, I've got to watch that now. I can't not watch yeah. that. I remember yeah. across this um, this list. I was like, oh, this is quite... This is an interest. I can't remember what it is. It was 10 top something. And then I saw it was what culture it seems we are. I've read some of this stuff. So I went on this, I went on the uh, the YouTube. I think at that point you had maybe like six or seven videos. So I, wa- I watched them all at that point. I watched them all. And then I kind of just watched this, this YouTube channel go from something that I was like, oh, it's quite cool. I know about this too. The whole internet wrestling community knew about it. And it was, you couldn't, you couldn't look anywhere on the IWC without hearing about what culture and the guys there. So what was it like on the inside watching that and just, Blow up doesn't even do it justice. It just went ridiculous. It was really. Um, I'll let you go. I was gonna say it was really like um, Sam. Do you feel this way as well? So the first video that me and Sam appeared on the first reactions video that we that each other we appeared on each other's first reactions video. We first made our on screen appearance the same reactions video, which was the 2016 Royal Rumble, and yeah. from that point, that January of 2016. And then we went to WrestleMania in Dallas um, in that April. That was, um, that felt like it was ages. That felt like it was, for me, that felt like <laughs> it, it was like, like a year. Was a year. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because everything grew and grew and grew. And you'd think that would go like really fast, but actually because it was also alien to us and so new, I think actually we took everything in really slowly. And then yeah. eventually you see like numbers go up on a screen and you see like your viewer, your viewer count or whatever. But when we got to Dallas, it was actually quite overwhelming because whichever city WrestleMania is in that year turns into like the biggest collection of wrestling fans on the planet at that time. And we were getting recognized like left, right and center. And we'd never been, we'd been recognized maybe twice in Newcastle the previous yeah. few months. And then suddenly every street corner like we'd, we'd turn onto, it was, it was so crazy. And I, I've told Sam this before. I remember at the end of the day, getting in the shower and my ears were like, it, it was like I'd been at a gig. Like, it was going like, wow, wow. Like, because I just felt a bit overwhelmed by all. I was like, what's going on? This is mad. But, you know, we were there to do a job as well. And um, it, it was just kind of a, a surreal feeling that um, occasionally comes back. Sometimes something will happen and you'll realize like, wow, does this person know who I am? How's this happened? But generally, that, that, those first few months were really surreal. That's the only way I can describe it, I think. Yeah, I think just to add to what Jack was saying there as well, I think we all kind of shared that it wasn't even really a belief. It was just we didn't really know what that meant that we were getting that big. It was good because, you know, yeah. it was our job. And and if the graph's going up, then that means we're doing a good job. But I think when we finally got out to Mania, because Mania is like the only time in the year where you will just see, you know, full-blown like lawyers and judges and police officers and people with all these like respectable jobs where you know they're in uniforms pretty much all day or suits they're just in like 
a t-shirt, a pair of shorts or a pair of slacks, some Crocs and a wrestling belt. There's just, you can't move for it. And it's just perfectly normal. And I think that alone was really overwhelming because it was like, this is weird. It's like acceptance as a wrestling fan. You can go anywhere and you <laughs> yeah. could, you could too sweet yeah. anybody yeah. and they would it's do like it back if, to you. You could- It's like if wrestling was football. Yeah, yeah. Somebody would scream woo in the middle of the street and loads of people would do it. Like, yeah. it, it was proper, proper surreal. And then on top of that, it was people going, it's you guys. And we were like, what? Yeah. <laughs> it didn't. It's crazy. <laughs> and it was, yeah, like people just trying to trying to talk to us and stuff. And it was like, wait, I don't understand how you even know who we are. It's like, it's something, because something you don't find too many wrestling fans, like normal life, it's obviously a huge business and there's so much money, but it's not, especially over here, not the most common thing to be a fan of. You get, I feel like you get so excited when you find like I put my NWO shirt on just to do this. Like you get excited <laughs> because you're going to talk to other yeah. people who like. I saw I was driving today, um, and I, I live in Cheltenham. I was driving through Cheltenham and I saw a man running towards me in a um, undisputed era T-shirt. So like I had my girl from the car. <laughs> I rolled down the window and I shouted Adam Cole baby at him. And my girl looked at me. She was like, she was like, what, what are you doing? And then I just like the guy <laughs> ran past doing like the undisputed era size. I was like, this is the best. Oh, he responded. Like, that's good. Yeah, that would have been, that been, that been yeah. terrible. Yeah. That would have been like, terrible if he just, yeah. no. Yeah, because like, he didn't have headphones on so you could hear me. And she was like, you, no. She's like, you don't know that man. Why is he responding to you? I was like, there's this, there's this unwritten bond between wrestling fans. Of, you like wrestling. I like wrestling. So we're going to be all right together because we're both like this weird thing that people ridicule us for. So actually yeah. there's, there's this shared hardship almost. We, we get on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But um, that was your when you, when you oh sorry, I was gonna say when you when you encounter another one in the wild, then that's incredible, and you yes. and you can't yeah. not take. And I, I fully understand why you did that because you can't not take advantage of the situation. You've got yeah. to. At least you didn't get the the secondhand shame. That's what sometimes happens with it when you're out with like some mates, and you like spot somebody in a wrestling shirt, you crack up a conversation, or you do something that they deem to be a little bit like ooh. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're like, like what are they weird. doing? And they all just look at you like, oh my god, we got like, we're sort of tarred with second hand with the wrestling brush. And it's yes. like, not in front of the yeah. boys, not in front of the boys. <laughs> um, something I wanted to touch on that you both mentioned was this um, suddenly people were recognizing you, especially when you go to Mania, which is the wrestling capital of the world. You're gonna, that's it, like you said, you're gonna get recognized. Now, you go into playing sports, and if you are successful a lot more successful than i've been in my career you get recognized you, you accept that's part of it people are going to know who you are you apply for a job as a writer or working behind the scenes for what culture and that that's not something that you're expecting to get and especially with social media now and people don't know the internet wrestling community cannot always be the kindest of places um how how did it deal? How do you deal with first of all unexpected people recognizing you in a good way, and like they're almost like oh these, and then also the f uglier flip side of that, of where people feel they have an opinion about what you do and they can share it, and it doesn't matter how fucking nasty it is they go into. How how was that? Because that was never anything you signed up for when you take the job. I'm not saying being an athlete or a celebrity or whatever you do, a film star, you do sign up for the abusive side, especially, but you know it's a possibility. You. You boys never knew that. That wasn't something that crossed your mind. So how how is that? That can't have always been easy. Do you want to go for it, Sam, first? Yeah, I think it's really hard to manage initially, especially, you know, when you're, you're really new to it all. And then all of a sudden you can tweet, you know, about your breakfast and people are responding. And I think <laughs> it, 
it's like you go from being somebody with very little social presence or very little use of something like that. And, and then you have to sort of start engaging with people. And I, I think most of the interactions I've had, in fact, 99.999% of interactions I've had with people have been overwhelmingly nice. Like, cause as you said, most wrestling fans just want to chat wrestling. And if they see us and they like us and they know, who we are and that our job is talking about wrestling, then often they'll maybe want an opinion or they'll want, you know, just to, just to shoot the shit with you for a little bit. But I think, I don't think I've ever really had a face to face overwhelmingly negative experience with anybody. Uh, it's kind of more of people will just go out of their way, maybe give you a bit of side eye or something, but they're not going to, you know, come up to you and be like, you're shit. Uh, at least not in my experience anyway. But then again, I've, I've sort of been behind the scenes for so long. I've not really been out in front as long as somebody like Jack or Ross has. So I don't know if they, especially sort of coming through, because I know the comments section is a brutal, brutal oh, guys. Uh, unashamedly, I absolutely loved it. Just love the attention. I thought this is absolutely brilliant. Not, like nothing can go thing. wrong. It's, it's weird. I was just like, no, nothing can go wrong. This is never going to go bad. And then obviously, like in person, I agree with Sam, almost all of the time when you get like recognized in person or whatever, the interaction's almost always good. Um, but the comment section can be quite harsh on you, especially when you're new, because they don't like change generally. Yeah. And then, but then how, but then they like people who are established, but how do you establish yourself without once being new? Yeah. It's a catch 22 situation. Yeah. But, um, but, I feel as though the only time I've ever kind of encountered in person any sort of unease or like not sure how I feel about this situation is ironically at some wrestling shows, the sort of cooler ones where because we're like the the McDonald's of the online wrestling yeah. world and then you then there's like the I can't even think of a good guys. example. Right, yeah. they're more or more something cooler something much cooler and and then there's been as sam said there's been some sort of side eye kind of like as if we're a bit corporate but i, I will say that that has diminished yeah. a lot since we set up our own business yeah because i think we've proven that it's not i think we've proven and i don't want to sound too big-headed but i think we've proven that we we've succeeded not not purely because of the backing of a big company we can actually write yeah. and produce stuff ourselves if that makes sense yeah. And and that, sorry, that, that was a very long sorry that was a very no, long winded no, answer. For no, your no, question. it's perfect. It's perfect. I think something you both touched on there that I'm very passionate about is like in person, it's very very rare people will have negative negative conversation with you because they don't like it. But the issue is people can hide behind profiles, don't even have their photos on YouTube yeah. on social media. Like, and I've got so many issues with that. And you see so much. I I do a lot of writing about and involve a lot with women's sport, and you see so much of it in that as well. Where it's always met always men we're the worst sometimes our gender we really are yeah. and they'll just chat shit about it but you're like you'd never say this in person and that's that's why i think like you say you guys never signed up for that and that's why i was interested to see how, how you dealt with it because i know it can be when you've got i was adding up the numbers earlier when you've got over 150,000 followers across uh instagram and twitter like the two of you do between the two of you people aren't always going to say nice things unfortunately those 150,000 aren't oh, always going to no. be nice no. What, I, what else is, I, th I think the, the key thing that I've realized in the past few years, because in the past, so, since Cultaholic started really, I've, I've managed to kind of ignore negative comments a little bit more than I used to be able to. And I think the, th the key thing that I've realized is that if somebody feels it necessary to go online and, you know, say horrible things about a total stranger, 
it's probably them projecting. It's probably them. It's probably them because something about their life is not ideal. No one's got a perfect life, obviously, but they feel like maybe they've got to get that out somehow. And I just try and think, you know what? Maybe their opinion doesn't mean that much because it's coming from a place of anger and it's not a real sort of opinion. If it's constructive criticism, obviously that's that's good. But when it's just abuse, I, I think the best way to ignore it is just to remind yourself that it's it's just one person's opinion and it's probably not coming from the best place. And you're more likely to pay attention to negative comments than 20 positive yeah, that's comments. That's the thing. And I think part of it as well with us was we were always just really blown away by the support. I think we all sort of try and endeavor as hard as we can to be as nice as possible to whoever we meet because you never know you know like if they are like a huge fan not, not that we maybe have any fans like this but maybe you know if there was like a mega huge jack fan and and meeting jack is the highlight of their entire week you, know, you want that to be something they remember and you want it to be nice you don't want to be a complete dick yeah. to somebody mate do you remember that guy so, do you remember that guy outside do you remember that guy outside Ernest? during the um <laughs> it was just it was so there's a there's a pub near our office um and it was when was it it was during the the stage where you could you could have a group of six or less it was like that part of the lock but right. not between lockdowns um so it was like it's like the summer and we're all sat outside this pub what happened sam because i was the very much the, the victim in this situation <laughs> so it might have even been earlier than that i don't know but I, I remember we were all sat outside the pub in the sun uh and this guy just walked up and I think he clocked Tom and he clocked me and he was like, love you guys, love your videos, love everything you do. Tom, you're great. Sam, you're great. About faced and walked off. And Jack just walked off. <laughs> but the, Jack, Jack was just like, and we were all cackling because it was just oh. ridiculous that he hadn't even seen Jack who sat like right in front of him. Because oh. uh, obviously he's going to know who Jack is if he watches the channel. And then it was like, oh, maybe he just hates you. Maybe he absolutely hates yeah. you. He did that on purpose. <laughs> but, but the weird thing was that months later, I was waiting like at the station for a train and this guy came barreling up to me and he was like, oh, you met me a long time ago. And I was like, what? And he was like, outside of Ernest, the story's being told on the podcast. He's like, I didn't stop Jack deliberately. I feel really bad about it. Can you tell him, please? Oh, bless you. Know, I never took it. I would like to say, I don't think he took it seriously. And, and yeah, and we were all howling, don't worry. I'd like to point out by this stage that obviously for people listening to this podcast who have no idea about wrestling, they're going to be like, who the hell are these guys? And why are they talking about how they get recognized so much? It's only within a very niche community, so we're not like. Don't worry, we're not. We're not pretending that we're like celebrities or anything. It's just in a very niche community. Sorry, very, Jack, very I niche. couldn't hear you over yeah. my Cessna reversing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am um, the ones that I've got a sort of a bit like where your ego takes a hit like that, Jack. Where I was, um, I'd gone to watch so my sister, who don't know, plays for England. Uh, she's far more successful than I am, but I'd gone to watch her. Um, gone to watch her play in the Premiership down at Saracens. Uh, this was a few seasons ago when you could go and watch sport. And um, I was there and I'd gone for a queue, gone to get in the queue for coffee, because of course I had, because coffee keeps me going. It is my life. And I was queued up and this guy about two in front of me looked around and I could see that he recognised me. And I was like, I was a Gloucester at the point. And I was like, we've got a Gloucester fan here. So he turned around again, then he looks back again. And I'm like, he keeps I was like, come on, say something. I'll, get, I'll, I'll give you a picture. Yeah, I'll be a good guy. So finally he turns around and goes, he goes, um, you, um, so sorry, mate, are you, are you Charlie Beckett? And I said, ah, oh, yeah, I am actually. He goes, yeah, I thought so. He goes, you're Sarah's brother, aren't you? Oh. <laughs> and I was like, oh. yes, I'm Sarah's brother. I was like, that is the day I became Sarah Beckett's brother. All my rugby credentials <laughs> were out the window. I simply became Sarah Beckett's brother. Um, 
you touched on it before, Jack, about you boys, you, sell, you two, uh, Ross and Adam Chiti took the incredibly brave move to leave what culture? Is it just over two years ago now? When, when, I am um, two and a half, I'd say. Two and a half years or so. Oh, wait, three? No, sorry, three and a half. Sorry, three and a half. So, yeah, yeah. sorry, Sam, I've just undersold us there. <laughs> so, three and a half years ago. Um, it was November 2017, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. So, so three, not, three years and a few months. Why am I clarifying this? It doesn't thanks, matter. Jack, thanks, Jack. <laughs> Guys, if you want to get your fingers out and count how many months that would be, it's January, it's January 2021 now, so you can do the maths at home. Um, now, I don't want to get into the politics of why you did, because that story's been told a million times, and if anyone is interested, they can go and find out a million things on it, on the internet, all that nonsense. What I want to talk about is, first of all, having the balls to do that is incredibly impressive, but I want to talk about, like, how did you weigh up the risk and the challenge of what, and was there ever, I'm sure there were, what moments were you like, oh shit, this has not been or a good move or we've made a mistake here or this isn't going how we, we thought because we can look back now and laugh about those moments because as I said at the start, you've got over 600,000 followers on your uh, YouTube page, get hundreds of thousands of views every video, it's been a success. But were there moments in the last three and a half years, however many months that is Jack, you can work it out later. Um, <laughs> you were like, you were like, oh shit, did we make the right move here, lads? Um, obviously, just right at the start when Adam Blombier, who now works for another um, YouTube channel, uh, he left. Uh, it was all. It's a, again, it's a situation you can Google. Yeah. yeah. Um, Google but at the same time, that was a moment when we thought we were going to have to maybe pack it all in, and it was a big mistake. At the same time, I don't know if I was ever that. I didn't consider myself very brave for taking the initial step purely because um, my, my parents were really, really like class about it. They were, they were saying basically like, um, I, met, I brought up to them, yeah, we're thinking of leaving and setting up our own thing. And they were like, honestly, just, uh, just go for it then. Because you've, they said basically that you're not married, you've not got kids. If it all goes wrong, we'll have you back here, you can come and live with us. And I just thought, well, I'm in a very, very lucky position for my parents to be so supportive. Why not just make the most of it then? So I never consider myself that ballsy for doing it because I felt very lucky for being in the position to be able to do it. Um, but Sam, so I don't know, how. what were your feelings on it, Sam? I, again, I wouldn't say ballsy. I think it, it just reached a point where there was an impasse uh, with where we were and there'd been sentiment brewing, you know, on either side of that coin of whether we jump or whether we stay or whatever for quite some time for all of us personally. And then eventually the, you know, the, the floodgates opened and, and, and we, we spoke about it. And from that point on, I, and, I think we all knew there was a risk involved, but I think we were lucky in the way I, well, I was, especially similar to Jack. I had parents who were just like, go for it. Cause you know, they, they were able to, they were able to help me if it all went wrong, but it, it just sort of felt more like something that had to happen by the time we actually made the jump and then to hell with the consequences. Like if I'd, if I'd kind of, stayed i believe that i would have spent the rest of my life going what if we'd done that and i think that was something that by the time we'd all agreed that this is what we were going to do i think we were all there too where you just uh, kinda, want, you want to prove it to yourself that you know you can do it sorry to jump in but at this point i really do want to give a shout out to uh one of our editors richard tubman because he was our first employee essentially um he was an editor at what culture with us and then when we all left, we knew we wanted to bring him along as well. And the fact that he did that 
I think he has way more balls than her. Like that yeah. was such a risk. That was such a risk for him because he's leaving a very secure job to take a chance on these lads who've just walked out of that job, and he did it. And I can't really ever thank him enough for that because uh, we doubled our editing team immediately because he well not immediately he came along when did he come along a few months after we started i think it was uh, a couple of months in yeah it was very crucial and he's obviously still with us now and i just feel like when he did that that's when i gained quite a lot of confidence in what we were doing because i was like people actually believe in what we're doing and people yeah. are willing to work yeah. with us and, and yeah. yeah so fair play shout out to richard yes big thanks to richard and it's mm. it's crazy isn't it how you can have all the self-belief you want but as soon as someone else who in you respect in there, whatever they do, actually goes, yeah, you know what, I do back you in this. It just makes you feel 10 feet tall straight. It's like it's like having a coach in rugby. Be like, no, 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 I do believe in you. Like, yeah, I'm going to play. You are good enough for this. Like, if it's someone you respect, you're like, well, shit, if they believe in me, yeah, but absolutely, this is the right call. So, as I said, I'm so glad you boys did because you look at the videos you're producing and everything. It's just so good to watch. If anyone is listening who is a wrestling fan and for some reason hasn't watched any of this, so I don't know how you'd be a wrestling fan on the internet and not come across it, do head over to Cultaholic. It is all excellent stuff. And it's a big weekend oh, to this be fair, weekend. The Royal Rumble, which fair, is always exciting. Go on, Jack. Absolutely. To be fair, there are a lot of people who um, will say to us, like, they'll just bump into us somewhere or they'll encounter us online on Twitter or something be like, oh, yeah, what happened with uh, Walker? They still don't know that we've set up our own thing. So we are still spreading the word, Charlie. It's actually <laughs> yes. happening. There's an the angle at the airport story, isn't it, where people would come up to him while he was wrestling in TNA going, oh, I remember when he used to be on TV. What happened yeah. to yeah. Yeah. He retired. And he's like, yeah. I've been wrestling for seven years on a different channel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just just flick over and find me. Um, <laughs> as I say, so pleased you did create Cult Talk. It's excellent. More, more importantly, so happy it's going well. But I want to go back to what culture, just because... You guys, well, because I don't know how much you had to do with the decision of this, but you, I knew you were heavily involved, both on and off screen, made the crazy decision to start your own wrestling company while you were there. Um, you started yeah. WCPW. Now, I don't need to yeah. get into the behind the scenes, but all I want to talk about is what was it like to be working in actual promotion? So it's, it's one thing to be a fan and watch from the outside, but suddenly you are in this promotion. And just so people... People listening who don't know this might be like, oh, it would have been very small time wrestlers. There won't be anyone who I'd know. I'm gonna, I came to two shows with my rugby, that's all I can get to. I made a list earlier of some of the big names who were at the two shows I came. I'm gonna run through them now, okay? Ray Mysterio, Alberto Del Rio, Kurt Angle, Will Ospreay, Drew McIntyre, Ricochet, Matt Hardy, WWE. They were they were coming to these shows, they were performing. So what what was that like to be involved suddenly with an actual promotion? It was bewildering. I think in the in the best and worst way possible at times, it was bewildering uh, because it wasn't really our our plan to to do that. Obviously, we were working for a company that went, you know what, let's do this, and it was like, okay, uh, yeah, and we just had to, you know, hold on to your asses and, and let's go. Just 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 grab the grab the seat and and make your yeah. way through the the crazy crazy ride. Uh, but I mean, it, it'll never not be insane that we were involved with shows involving such huge names. Like think back to some of the sizes of the venues when we've got people like Pentagon in a tiny venue in Sheffield that can hold like 110 people. And just the atmosphere at some of the shows was great. I mean, the work was stressful, like, to put it lightly, but it was, it was an interesting time for sure. I don't think I'd trade it for anything. If I was to go back, I'd probably do it all again, but it's uh it, it was mental <laughs> it, it was it was a learning massive learning experience as well 
um, getting to learn how things are put together in a wrestling show and how matches are put together and just learn, you just learn so much being behind the scenes that I think it really helped inform our online content going forward. So yeah. it provided a really invaluable learning experience. Also, I reckon it's the most rock and roll me and Sam will ever be because we'll like travel in the country, stopping yeah. at service stations. We would live it. We're living the life. Well, honestly, Jack, Jack, you were like Sam was all behind things. You were on screen taking bumps, mate. Like what? What? What was that like? <laughs> um, but you were you were you were on my ass. Yeah, but but yeah. you're in this ring with professional wrestlers doing doing physical wrestling at times. Like that again. You don't go to the university. You do an English literature at university. You're not expected to be <laughs> to be in there, being thrown around by wrestlers. How how was that? And okay, talk to me about when someone comes up to you and says, "Jack, we've got an idea, mate. We want you to it, do this." It's honestly very. Um, so some of them, like when, like my first ever one, when a uh, big demo of now Killian Dane in WWE yeah. punched me in the face. That was always part of the plan. That was always in the script. So I had time to get nervous for that one terribly. The ones that um, involved like getting beaten up at maybe smaller shows or just like a lot of them were ideas on a whim, basically. So the Matt Hardy involvement was just Matt Hardy had an idea on the fly, as Matt Hardy often does, and sent someone backstage to come and get me. It was Kenny McIntosh, actually, from Inside the Ropes. And he was like, Matt wants to do a spot with you. And I was like, oh, my God, what? But like in a similar way to how Sam was talking about his attitude when we left War Culture and set up Cultaholic, I did think, well, if I say no, I'm going to just wish that I did this for like the rest say, of my life. So. You can't imagine, exactly. imagine, imagine if we sat in this conversation now and you were telling me you said no to the spot with Matt Hardy. Can you I imagine know, what my I reaction know. would be? Um, I think I it's know. actually, you brought up Kenny. I think it's Kenny's birthday today, so on Twitter. This isn't going to go out mm -hmm. for ages, but happy birthday to Kenny. Um, Absolutely. Happy birthday, in Kenny. Three happy weeks birthday, time, Kenny. You'll, you'll get that three weeks late, Kenny, if you listen. No <laughs> doubt you will. You're too busy being incredibly successful with Inside the Ropes. But apart from that, if you do listen, there you go. Um, you're listening to the Brew Rebecca podcast powered by 92 Degrees. Now, powered by 92 Degrees isn't just some snazzy catchphrase the guys at 92 came up with. They genuinely live it. And I want to take this moment to thank them for all the support they've given us. This podcast is quite literally powered by them. And without their support, it would never have happened. Now, as well as the support they give the podcast, I myself am personally powered by 92 Degrees in the, in the shape of the caffeine in their coffee. Every day I start my day with a 92 Degrees coffee. And um, if you want to be powered by 92 Degrees like I am, make sure you head over to their Instagram at 92degrees.coffee, their Twitter at 92degrees underscore, or their website www.92degrees.coffee. Because over there, they've got your beans, your subscriptions, your keep cups, independent coffee guides, your aeropresses, and anything else any of you coffee lovers could need to get you through your day. Uh, when you're there, make sure you use the code BWB20 to get 20% off whatever you buy. That's BWB20 for 20% off. We're powered by 92 Degrees, and you can be too. So Jack said there about doing taking spots with uh, Matt Hardy. What was, what was your biggest, like, pinch yourself moments I've been involved with these wrestlers? Like, these are huge names. Was there any moments you like... Jesus Christ, I can't believe I'm doing this. I uh, Particularly the, the Japanese World Cup show. We had a World Cup tournament that spanned months and it was, it was an absolute ball ache to produce and you get everything planned. And I do not envy the people that had to deal with the bulk of those booking meetings and, and arranging flights and hotels and just all that nonsense. But doing the Japanese show was, was huge because I think we were, we were just sat on top of some of the greatest talent 
you know, in the world. We had Jushin Thunder Liger. And I, I was like, we're sat there working out, oh, well, what are we going to do? This has to move around. This has to go there. And we were all talking. And then it was like, oh, well, put Liger on first. And, and I was like, yeah, that could work. And I think everybody was just like, yeah, I think that could be quite cool. And then it was like, you know, lights go down. And then boom, music hits out. He comes in the cape, and it was just I proper pinch myself. Meeting Bret Hart was like that as well, and you know, just even that first show, or maybe actually the first time we ran the Newcastle Academy, because I would like go to gigs there all the time as a teenager. We all, there, we like, all love that venue in Newcastle. It's like a yeah. beloved venue in Newcastle. It's, like. a, it's a big old bingo hall that was maybe yeah. once a theatre. It's got a <laughs> massive balcony. Uh, it's your standard, you know. Carling Academy as they were or yeah, yeah. academies um, but yeah there's something different about going in through the side door seeing how small and cramped backstage is compared to what you thought it would be being on the stage having the run of the venue for the day and then finally being out there when I was initially on camera before I, I went back behind the speakers and hid with the computer live yeah. button stuff <laughs> just being in that room with, with a room full of people just chanting and making noise and and I don't think it'll ever leave me that it's yeah, yeah, it was that great. noise and that experience. Uh, yeah, I can, I, would obviously, just, I can only imagine. Go on, Jack. I was just going to point out when Sam was like waxing lyrical there about the Japanese World Cup show. I well, I missed that one. Uh, I was at a music <laughs> festival, so I'm just listening <laughs> to Sam tell all these crazy, oh, how what an experience it was, and I'm in a muddy field somewhere watching a band yeah. that I've never heard of. Probably, <laughs> I, um, I think I, one of the I, one of the other weird pinch yourself ones was Minoru Suzuki, or when we had um, El Desperado over with him. Whenever Desperado would wrestle, Suzuki would watch his matches, and I'm usually sat on the gallery doing this, and just turn around, and Suzuki would be like there, or other way around, Suzuki's wrestling, and Desperado would be there. But Desperado would be wearing his mask the yeah. entire time, so. Yeah. He'd just be, you know, behind me by about five feet. And then as the match is going on and I'm just getting tunnel vision toward these little screens so I can see what's coming next with all my cameras and getting everything lined up. And I just sort of sit back and he was just there and it was like, what the fuck? <laughs> he's just sat oh, right next to and me. If anyone listens and doesn't know who Minoru Suzuki is, just go and Google him because he's the scariest looking man you will ever see in he your life. He kill you with his hands. I think, he'll, I think he'll kill you with his look. Be stared at him <laughs> six feet under. If you said to me, Charlie, you've got to go and get a ring with him, I'd be like, no, no, we're not, we're not doing that, lads. He, he could, I'll, I'll be, I'll be uh, taking the cat out straight away. I'll be going rogue. Um, but yeah, I can't imagine what it was like being involved in that. Some awful expense, I'm sure, of stress and just madness, but also just some of the best. It must have been incredible. Um, yeah, I'd say just, I could sit here and talk to you about wrestling all day, but I realise there are things everyone needs to do. So I'm going to move on to a my favourite part of any podcast I do now. It's a game I call teammates. Though. What I do is normally have sports people on who are playing in a team and I will ask them who of your former teammates is most likely to do this or that, etc, etc. But how I'm going to work it with you boys is anyone currently a cultaholic or you've worked with in the past that what culture or something like that part of your team in that sense is the team I'm going down with this. Right. So my first question is coffee theme because I know how much coffee I drink and how much anyone who works in any office um, drinks of coffee. And of course, this podcast is powered by 92 Degrees Coffee, which uh, we sent some to you, which I hope you got and enjoyed. I hope yes, uh, it's delicious. That, it's I delicious. hope that went down I, well. I, 
I really want a coffee sponsorship myself, Charlie. So, so yes, exactly. We will. We will. <laughs> hey, I could see. I could see Cultaholic Power by Night because I can see it now. I'll. Uh, I'll have a word. <laughs> but um, no. So my question is: When someone in the office, if someone was going off to make himself a delicious cup of ninety-two degrees, who would be most likely to try and sneak off and do it by themselves and not offer to make one for anyone else? Jack, I'll, I'll come to you. All right, Sam's put his hand up. Sam, what are you saying? Sam, go on. Go on, it's Sam. Me. It's me. you, Sam. <laughs> oh. The amount of times I'll, oh. I'll, come out of the, I'll come out of the kitchen and I'll have a cup of coffee and then I'll look across and I'm like, oh, God, no, I should have really asked and then sit down. And then somebody else stands up almost immediately and goes <laughs> and makes a cup of coffee. I'm like, ah. Oh. I was going to go for uh, Adam Pacini, but be, not because... I'm basing this on his night out etiquette, which is not ideal, to be honest with you. Okay, what's I'm that? Sorry to, no, sorry to on, grass him up right now, Charlie. About but this now. <clears throat> back when we could socialize, uh, Adam would, uh, he stays for like one or two if it's like a big night. And then he'll, um, he'll not even tell us that he's ordered the Uber. And then he's just out the door. He's like, oh, my Uber's here. See you later. And we're like, what's happened there? Yeah. And, and I just feel like. You're a responsible adult. He has, because this isn't, this, he hasn't always been like that. I've seen him drunk in Pop World at 2 a.m. Playing about with, this, <laughs> with a, playing with about with a West Floor sign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lads, I can't tell you how much I want to be drunk in a Pop World at the moment. It's all I want. I've got, <laughs> well, I'm going I'm to drop one of my best mates is a player for Harlequins called James Chisholm. And we were talking literally two days ago about how much we want. There's, there's um, a, the, I don't, you won't have been. The Pop World in Guildford is unbelievable. Guildford, it has, first of all, it has a Yates that has a dance floor in the bottom. It has a dance floor oh, right. in the bottom, like a club in the bottom. So you go Yates and you finish in Pop World. And honestly, it's the best, one of the best nights I've ever been on this road. We didn't even mean to go on the night out. We went for one drink. <laughs> I, was, I was up to go to London somewhere at nine the next morning and going at three and I was like, this has not been a good idea. But um, yeah, I can't wait to be in a Pop World again. So we it's going like, to be a heavy night, like for you oh, lot, for, for oh. the rugby lot. The second you're allowed back into any form of bar. Mate, that it's gonna be heavy night for everyone. This is <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we um we call leaving like that, like Pachita you saying does there. Uh, we call it a smoke bomb. Rugby, so you just smoke bomb. But if you're gonna right. smoke bomb properly, you don't even tell anyone you go and you just leave. A few times a night mm. out, you'll be there. And I won't lie, in the past I've been guilty of it myself once or twice. So I used to live with Tom Hudson. He hates nights out, and he'd be like, "I'm going home and getting food." And the problem being on a night out is, as soon as food crosses my mind, <laughs> I have food. That's it. So if he, right. so he, he could, we once this is this is the most embarrassing I've ever said ever. But I'm going to say it live on the podcast. We once made it back on a Saturday night for match of the day. That was how early oh, we smoked bombs. Yeah, that was, that was, but we were so we were we were so pissed that I woke up the next morning and put match the day on. He was like, "What are you doing?" I was like, "Well, I haven't seen it." He's like, "We watched it last night, you dickhead." I have no memory of watching it. Um, okay, my next question on this is: If you were on a night out and something went wrong, and you had to, you had one call to make someone at three in the morning to come and help you. Who would be the first person you'd call and who would be the last person you'd call? Oh. I can see really go do, do you want me to go first to go give on, you a bit of time? Go on then, Jack. Right. Go on. I'll buy you some time. Uh, the first person I would call for help if I was in trouble on night out would probably be it's it's between two. It's either Andrew uh, or Tom Campbell, because they're the two like nicest blokes in the office, yeah. probably. Um, probably Tom because he's up at silly hours anyway. Uh, cause he does our news coverage and he, and he works from crazy hours. He used to be 
uh, a radio DJ early on in the morning. So he's got a funny... He's used to it, yeah. Part. He's used to it. Yeah. So I'd call... Yeah, Tom. I'd call Tom first. The last person I would call... Uh, probably... Yeah, probably Adam Pacitti again, to be honest. <laughs> I think I you, you've just talked yourself completely out of my... My my call there because I was gonna I was gonna choose you because we got a bit of backstory we got a bit of history we used to be wait you were gonna me. choose me for the for the first for the first yeah, person for, you called for the first person I'd call but yeah right yeah, you yeah made yeah. a very good point about Tom and I know how sleepy you are so <laughs> I do sleepy sometimes yeah. so it, yeah, yeah Tom's the guy but I think again probably would call Adam last because he works very hard. And I'd feel awful if I had to call Adam at three in the morning and be like, I'm locked out of the mm, office, mate. Yeah. Or I'm on the run. I'm wanted for murder. I didn't do it. He'd just hang up. Yeah. <laughs> He'd, be tired. He'd just be like, you, know, you, can, you can almost understand it. You can almost understand it. Um, <laughs> my last one, I won't lie, lads. I'm really pleased with this question. So if you don't enjoy it, I will be upset. The pressure's on you now. So what I want to know is like, if, if someone rings you up and says, lads, We've seen what you're doing at Cultaholic. It could be Vince, it could be Tony Khan, it could be anyone who runs any big wrestling pros. You can choose which one it was. And they said, we want you and one other lad to come and straight in, fight for the tag team titles. Which titles? Yeah, there's the question. You're going after the tag team titles of any of the major wrestling companies. First of all, I want to know which titles you're going after, which ones you want the most. And second of all, I want to know who your first choice to be in there with you would be and why. But more importantly, I want to know who your last choice would be and why. Who you'd least want to have on your in your corner? Um, right. Well, we do we we do have a couple of uh, trained wrestlers in our in our company. Yeah. They, they yeah. never. Yeah. So we've got Richard Tubman, who I shouted out earlier on. He used to be Ricky Yan. His gimmick was, was that he was Polish because he is half Polish, and um, <laughs> that's brilliant. And then also there is um, he lives abroad now. He lives in he lives in the Czech Republic. But a, a lad we used to work with at What Culture, who's now a writer for us, uh, Lewis the the Dragon Beardsley. So uh, yeah, <laughs> Beardsley Beardsley because he claimed he was oh. the nephew of Peter Beardsley, which made everyone <laughs> cheer him in Newcastle. Awesome. He did. He knows. He knows Pac. He knows Neville. So yeah. amazing. You know, amazing. Um, so it's one of those two. Probably Lewis, uh, because yeah. he, he wrestled at a, at a more extensive level than, than Ricky Ann did. But, yeah. And he's the dragon. But for the last person, I don't want to pick him again. Hang on, Jack. Are you looking to go three from three on Adam Pacitti here? Yeah, 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 yeah. Three yeah, questions, yeah, yeah. good. Yeah, um, I'm going for Adam Pacitti again, actually, uh, because, oh, I've seen him on a punching bag. Um, right. Backstage at one of the venues we ran in Manchester. Shout out to the Bowlers Exhibition Centre. Um, I feel like I, the layout of that building is just burned into my brain because we were there so often. God, yeah. But he, um, I, there was a little gym area, like a, there was like a, a little MMA cage and all the punching bags and stuff. And I saw him on the punching bag, and I, I have to say that I wasn't too impressed. So okay. I, unfortunately, I have gone three for three on Adam Pacitti. Okay. But my my conscience is is assured by the fact that he would also have picked me for all three okay, negative options that's all right as well. Then. So there we go. And I'm, just quickly, gonna... quickly, Jack, which, sorry, just quickly, which oh. uh, which belts are you and the dragon going after? Me the and, the and the dragon. Pr- we're probably going after, we're probably going to have to go after the NXT tag team titles yeah, because definitely. Lewis is a bit of a flippy sort of work rate boy. Um, okay. And I think that's that's probably the only one he'd be satisfied it, it with. It sounds like Full Sail would just lap you up as well, that tag team. Yeah. I could see. Yeah. All right, Sam, over to you with the same question. I'm, I'm not going to let Jack just sell Adam Pacitti short here. The okay. man is also trained to wrestle. He did a whole documentary about it called Pinfall, a wrestling documentary. 
Okay. Uh, but Adam's just messaged me. Yeah, wait, Adam's just messaged me. His ears are burning. Forgot to check. Are you going to cover the Rumble on Sunday? Yes, I am. It's currently <laughs> <laughs> it's currently Friday night. It's currently Friday, and he's not. Also, got to check. Also, I reckon, lads. I reckon if I was running a wrestling company that covered wrestling, I think probably the big four. I'd get those dates early. Like, I probably need to be free that Sunday night to cover that. I don't. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you need to be checking in on that one. You'd be amazed how much you're like, yeah, I'm going to sort all the dates this year. I'm going to buy a desk calendar. I'm going to put them all in. I'm going to put them in my phone. I'm going to set alerts. And then it'll be like, ah, shit, it's the Rumble this weekend. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, where's it come from? And especially now that we've got like multiple pay-per-views per month. Oh, but in terms mad. of my choices, I think Lewis is probably the safest shout. Yeah. I mean, if I, could, if I could be the manager and step back, I'd put Lewis in there with Pachiti. But, you know, I can at least be a bit of the Otis to Lewis. Yeah, okay. Much, much, much better, flippier Tucker. I've seen Lewis yeah. hit an arm drag. He's great. Okay, you know, Lewis can do street oh. clothes off the ropes. Lewis once scored a goal in five aside and put his forehead on the ground and somersaulted back onto his legs. I was amazed. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe but that. In terms of my my least likely to tag with, I think I'm going to have to unfortunately throw Tom under the bus simply because he's so nice. Right. I think yeah. that's a good promo, but I I don't think. If it came down to it, you know, if, if I needed somebody to quickly, sneakily pass me a chair or... He's not doing it. like that. I don't think Tom's going to do it. He's too nice. So who? what what belts are you and the Dragon going after? Oh, Smackdown. We're not starting in developmental. We're going straight nice. to the A-show. Straight. That's lovely, it. lovely. <laughs> no, get, those, get those blue belts. Um, <laughs> Full sale would not enjoy it. <laughs> too smart for you boys. Um, <laughs> right, lads, I've got three questions to finish off. Three quick ones, and I will leave you to your evening because you give me far too much of your time. I really appreciate it. Um, oh, no worries at all. Don't the worry. First one, the first one, don't even try and t- say to me, oh, we haven't thought about it because every wrestling fan ever has. So if you were a wrestler, what would your name be and what would your finisher be? Well, it's got to be Jack the Jobber for me at this point, hasn't it, unfortunately? Yeah. Uh, my finisher... Because when you're a kid, everyone's got their own finisher, right? Haven't they? That's semi-normal yeah. for a wrestling fan as a child. Yeah, yeah mine was yeah. the J-bomb. Mine was the J-bomb. Uh, okay. The J-bomb was pretty cool. But for some reason, it wasn't a power bomb at all. It was a float over DDT. Oh, <laughs> it's brilliant. That's lovely. Because I, like, I really think... liked the Rocks one, and then he'd nip up afterwards. And I was yeah. like, that's really cool. That's good. Yeah. We used to do Alabama Slam because we had a trampoline, and it was fun. Yeah. Uh, but I think if you actually did that to somebody in the garden, like if I'd done that to my brother on the grass, my man would have probably really kicked off yeah uh, but yeah I'd, I'd probably go with my own name to be honest because the, the move's ready made for itself it my, my finish is literally a pile driver named sam driver, sam driver so, yeah sam you, driver. Can't, you can't um you it's can't just, you know just live in the entire gimmick it's just me yeah that, that, so. what we're actually about to find out is <laughs> is sam driver isn't your name you just saw in you knew like i want to get into this niche of wrestling and changed it there <laughs> like driver is yeah. that that's a yeah you've got some, you, got, you, you are called joe blogs really but you tried to change it there um okay my next one is what's your favorite match ever everyone's got one what's one that oh. if you could only watch one more again what would you what would be the match you'd watch over and over again and mine would be uh, probably CM Punk versus John Cena Money in the Bank 2011. That was the match that I always say got me fully back into wrestling. Yeah. It it used to be Austin Rock at WrestleMania 17. I'm struggling to pick between the two, but just because it was the match that I think got me back into it, I'll go for yeah. the more recent one. I'll go for Punk and Cena. If it was like, a, I've got to watch only this one thing forever, and I'm never, you know, I'm, I'm this is the only wrestling I can ever watch again, I'd probably pick something really smarky like a tiger mask dynamite kid match or something but 
if I'm going with the heart, it's either going to be TLC2 or yeah. <laughs> Brett Austin from WrestleMania because the, the double turn in that match and the storytelling's done really well. There's, you know, just the right amount of blood. There's just the right amount of aggression. Just Austin refusing to quit. Just will not yeah, do it. Until just will not do it. Yeah. just blood pouring down his face. Yeah. yeah it's great. Iconic. It's iconic. And last one. What is... I normally ask people what their favourite match they've played in is. But I want to... What's your favourite moment? And you've had this whirlwind career that came out of nowhere. If you could go back and have a day or a moment again where you go, or bottle it up and have that feeling, what, what would you go back and do again? I would uh, choose the, uh, the Newcastle show for WCPW, uh, which was the last day of a five-day tour where we'd gone like down the country and then back up again. And we were exhausted and we were knackered and stuff. And we, it was like we were coming back to... Well, we were, we were literally coming back home. I don't know why I try to make it a metaphor. And <laughs> um, we were like coming band, back home. A band finishing their tour in their home. Yeah, because the yeah. fans, I remember the fans that night in the Academy. Was it in the Academy, that return show? Or was the it in Sports Central? Sport Central. Right. The f- like yeah. People, I think. The fans were really, really up for it. It was a great night. Um, and, it, you know, when you reach a point of tiredness where you sort of get delirious and everything's funny, it was yeah. like that. And then we went on a night out afterwards and it was just brilliant night out as well. So I, I think that day, getting back to Newcastle, doing the show, running home, getting a shower, heading on the night out and just having a great time. That, that's that's the one I'd go back to. What are you, Sam? That, that first, maybe that first mania trip before it quite got as insane as it was, because that was the first time where I think we all realized like, Christ, like we, we're going to have to step up what we're doing. Like people care about this and people are invested in this. And I think that's really when we got very serious about the content and, and how we would be presenting the content to these, but like, you don't want to do a shit job for them because these people are out there and we've met them now and we've spoke to them and, I don't know. I think like there was something about that trip where it just felt like that was the moment the job clicked into a career. That was yeah. where it was like, okay, this is, that's it yeah. now. This is what you do for the rest I, of the I always rem- I always remember, Sam, there was a moment during that trip, we'd had a really stressful day. Things things were just generally going wrong. Nothing unsalvageable, but we had yeah, to really, just, we had to like really graft hard to like We got screwed make out it work. of an entire location by, by right. Sirius XM who just didn't leave. They were doing uh, they, It was our slot. It doesn't matter. Anyway. No, no. I'm happy for this podcast. I'm happy for this podcast to be a place where we just slam people who screwed us over. You want to get into Sirius XFM or whatever they're called. You, Sam, take the floor is yours. Just go at them, mate. Go at them. I'm, happy I, so, I'm not going to burn too many bridges because you never know. We may end up as a, a radio operation of radio all of a sudden becomes really cool again. Uh, but it was just something bewildering about us being there with these people we've never met who are just as awkward as we are in the sense of like, wear a new channel no they were americans viewers. they were cocky no they were cocky, <laughs> but we, cocky. Were, we were sort of stood there just going like, themselves they were uh can we can we <sighs> talk to somebody about the the okay they're not leaving all right we'll just do it in a bus stop across the road and we so literally we, shot the video we bus did stop. it we did it it was all right we managed but at the end of the tour we got back to our hotel and i remember me and sam just like exhausted uh and ross as well but it was just me and sam in the room at the time is what i mean and yeah. um basically i remember saying to him like oh man and it was only like the second or third day of, of the week and i was like i'm knackered i just feel like i want to go home and sam said to me look the day after you get back to england you want to be back here and i was yeah. like you think and he was like yeah and he was and sam you were totally 100 percent correct i'll never yeah. forget that because it was it was so yeah. true 
I think I, I remember trip. I remember watching that um, video in a bus stop and thinking at the time, like, why are they in a bus stop? This is weird. So I'm glad <laughs> I now know. Because I remember, I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was 32 or 33. One of my favourite things, thinking of weird places you did videos, was it was when Ross was King Ross, which was one of my favourite mm, yeah. things for a long time. And John O'Clock, um, JBL, I'm blocked on Twitter by JBL, and I blame Ross Tweddle. Because JBL, <laughs> JBL tweeted something about, I remember it, about Wayne Rooney converting the spot kick penalty free kick for whoever he was playing oh. for at the time. And I tagged Ross and I said, Ross, this needs to go in John O'Clock. And JBL blocked me from that moment. So <laughs> I, I remember, <laughs> I don't know if it was by desire, but actually, you, found, you found a um, castle. In America, I just remember videos of Ross oh, running God. around oh, his castle. That was medieval times. Scepter, medieval times. Cape, just the most excited man anyone's ever seen. That I was... think that was that was when video wrestling videos peaked. I was like, this fully grown man has fully embraced. He's a king, and he's just living <laughs> his best life doing it. And I was like, it's not going to get better than this. Been, that might have been our first ever outdoor shoot because it was for the NXT thing, I think, wasn't it? So I, I, I couldn't tell NXT you. WTF I just. Moments. But I just remember Ross there in the crown and cape and legit, because it's just it's just highway. That's all it is. It's just highway straight down the side of the road. The medieval times is literally in a lay-by, like the, you know, when they sell strip malls and stuff. There's yeah. just this fucking massive medieval times, big plasticky Fisher Price castle, and just this row of like, you know, Texas shops. Uh and <laughs> he's just stood there and cars just going by tooting, just like, hey king! And just Yeah. Like and not because they recognize him, just because like, <laughs> Like, you know, when you walk around in Grand Theft Auto and people heckle you as you walk yeah, around? Was, it was like that. that was it was essentially it. that, yeah. Oh, I think, yeah, thank God for American bus stops, though, because it was pretty much the size of an auditorium. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, lads, honestly, as I said, I could sit here and talk about videos you've done and memories and laugh all night long, but I will let you get on with your... It's a Friday night. The boys are very kind of on a Friday night, of all things. And, well, to be fair, there's not much we can it's go out for on Friday, so, yeah. Uh, but <laughs> from, a, from a personal point of view, lads, I just want to say a huge thank you for coming on, but also just for through the whole lockdown, everything you guys have carried on putting your stuff out. I know it can't be easy, and I know at times it's helped me get through some of the tougher times I'd put a Cultaholic video on and watch and just let me zone out into the weird world of wrestling for half an hour. So a big thank you for me. I'm sure a lot of people listening to this will feel the same. Um, for anyone who doesn't follow Cultaholic for any reason, where can they find you on socials and YouTube? How do they find you? I am at Jack the Jobber on Twitter. Cultaholic's just at Cultaholic on Twitter. If you just search Cultaholic on YouTube, you'll find it. And that's, oh, it's in the background. You can that's see how it's spelled there. Yeah. For any audio listeners. Cultaholic Wrestling on Instagram as well. Right. For any audio listeners, it's C-U-L-T-A-H-O-L-I-C. Uh, I forgot where I was in the word. That was really embarrassing. You could tell you do this a lot because normally I get this point in the podcast to see people, so where can they find you? They go, uh, where Jack's like, yeah. Jack, do you want to This here, this there. So what about you, Sam? Where can everyone find you, mate? Uh, I'm at less defined on Twitter. And once again, I'll just reiterate, obviously at cultaholic on Twitter at cultaholic wrestling on Instagram. I believe, uh, we have a sister channel. If you're not a fan of wrestling, you've got this far somehow. We have a sister channel called triple jump who do gaming. They're just amazing. Just Ben and Peter are so funny, make such good content. They've got a great little team. So they're also well worth checking out. Uh, but yeah, just thanks for having us on Charlie. Oh, mate, yeah, lads, it's I been. I want to say, Charlie, you've been one of... I know everyone says it's really cool to be like, oh, I was there at the start and stuff. No, you literally you literally were one of the first yeah. like names that we remember regularly cropping up and tweeting us and stuff. And it's really awesome to finally be able to do this. Like, genuinely, genuinely. Oh, well, cheers, lads. Honestly, it's been my absolute pleasure. That shows what um, what a loser and nerd I am, lads. Like, I've been here since the start <laughs> and uh, you won't get rid of me. Um, if you want to 
follow the podcast. It's at Brew with Beckett on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, 92 Degrees are at 92degrees.coffee on Instagram at 92degrees underscore on Twitter. You can find them on Facebook or you can go to www.92degrees.coffee. And if you want any coffee while you're there, lads, this is the exciting bit. BWB20 will get you 20% off. I almost forgot to plug it in the whole podcast, but I've managed at the end. Uh, lads, it's been genuinely best fun having you on this last hour or so thank you so much for coming uh, hopefully when the world is back to normal we can get together for something stronger than a coffee at some point we can get hopefully to a pop so. world together that would be a lot of fun <laughs> uh, I really appreciate you boys coming on I hope everyone listening has enjoyed it and I will see you next week for another group thanks very much guys bye bye